very warm welcome to you from Equa Marketing. This presentation is brought to you by Equa.com, a leader in digital marketing. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Growing Dentist Podcast Show. Today, I'm super excited to have Mr. Darren Cabana. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, Darren. Cabana, uh, yes. Perfect. He's the founder of Accelerate My Practice. Darren, welcome. Thank you so much. So, Darren, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. I think you can uh, t- you know, introduce yourself far better than I can. So tell us a little bit about yourself. What got you into dentistry? Tell us your story. Well, you know, I, um, <clears throat> I grew up on a, believe it or not, on a pig farm in northern Wisconsin, of all things, which sounds a little hokey and crazy. But what's interesting about that is, is the work ethic and creativity that comes out of someone who comes from a, a background like that. And so growing up on a pig farm, I was given a couple head of sheep. I grew it into a herd. And then as a kid, I was actually investing in the stock market with the proceeds I made from my, my farming business that I own. My parents owned the pig farm. The sheep were mine. So what was neat is by the time I graduated high school, I was able to pay my own way through college as a result of it. And, it, it, you know, I'm a self-made kind of person that's just done it the whole way up from the bootstraps. And it's, it's worked really, really well for me. And, uh, you know, I've been very blessed that way. So I guess if you were after what's my unique story as to how I came about, it would be, uh, you know, growing up as a pig farming kid that uh, then decided to do more of themselves and, and got, I got into dentistry in 1997. So I did my undergraduate degree in biology chemistry and then I started in dentistry in 97 at working for Patterson Dental. And I continued to see some challenges that uh, I didn't know how to alleviate and it was frustrating to me. I saw doctors who were struggling to pay the bills because they'd struggle to pay the supply bill to me. And if the way Patterson worked, they made me responsible for the client's success. So if the client wasn't paying their bill, presumably not successful, they put that onus on me. So I became very motivated to solve it. So I started taking practice management courses and wondering what made some doctors successful and others not. And, And I saw great content from a lot of practice management people who are still around today. But then I would watch the doctors struggle with that and still not see lasting results. And and I couldn't wrap my head around it because the content I was hearing from these consultants was fabulous content. So I went back, I got my MBA in marketing and finance, and then I went through some of these courses again to see, okay, maybe through this MBA paradigm, I'll understand it better. And same thing, I sort of saw not lasting results. While the consultants were there, they got great results. But they got great results, I think, because the consultants were leaning on the employees. And so it just really left me scratching my head. And, and so eventually I was introduced to neurolinguistic programming, or NLP for short. And, and I was introduced to that through the crucible of challenge in my own life. I had a marital challenge. My wife and I drove our marriage off a cliff. And as a result of that, we had to either get divorced or we had to figure out how to change our lives so we could put our marriage back together and have a more fruitful marriage moving forward. So NLP kind of became this cornerstone of my personal life in the lasting change I got through it and thus allowed me to take that same, those same techniques and utilize those with our clients. So we use a lot of psychology to create that internal drive and change for the employees in the office. So this change that is being taught sticks. 
and it becomes lasting change. Because really to me, that's, that's the key in life is how do you create lasting change in any circumstance, any person? And if you can create that lasting change, even if it's small, over time, small changes make huge differences, right? Think of golf. Do you golf by chance? Uh, not, a, not, not good at it, but I've played a few times. Well, you know then, as, as, your, as your club head strikes the ball, if it is off one millimeter, where does your golf ball end up? Way off. Way, way off. So one millimeter applied through time, through a great deal of time, makes a huge, huge difference. So even if we make subtle changes in an office that don't seem profound through time, they yield massive, massive results. You know, it's the theory of compounding interest, if you will, in business and life. It's the same thing there. So I, I believe in making small, subtle changes that aren't overwhelming, that people can swallow, wrap their arms around, and implement, implement on a, a continuous process or over time. And then what they do is they get pretty significant results out of them. So that's kind of how I got into where I'm at now. You know, our business has been around about six years now. We have clients and employees all over the country. We're not one of the biggest, hugest companies by any means. And I think that's a good thing. I mean, I, I don't know that I want to be the biggest and hugest. I like that boutique, high service feel. And there's a piece of me that wonders as we grow, can, what do I need to do to continue offering that uh, high service feel to our clients? And that's a challenge that I'm always, uh, you know, staying awake at night trying to figure out how to solve. That makes sense. Yeah. Awesome. So that's kind of my story. Yeah, in short, anyway. Really, uh, inspiring. Um, I was going to say. Um, I was going to say. Um, can you talk a little bit about neuro linguistic programming? Because I'm sure some people haven't heard what it is. Can you kind of give an overview of what it is and how kind of it helps you with your business? Oh, I'd love to. I'd absolutely love to. You know, neuro-linguistic programming is the psychology slash neurology of how do you uh, rewire the brain? How do you change behavior? And, and the, the easiest example everybody would be familiar with is Pavlov's dogs, right? You, right. Ring, you feed the dog, you ring a bell, you re fing, feed the dog, ring a bell, feed the dog, ring a bell. Eventually, over time, you've conditioned the dog that if you ring the bell, it will start to salivate. That is NLP in its most simplest form. You'd also, if you're researching and you're a researcher and like to Google search this stuff, you might also see it as a neural associative conditioning would be a kind of a synonym for it, if you will. And there's a whole bunch of different versions of kind of the same thing. But the question becomes, you know, since we can't ring a bell and feed dental assistants and hygienists and office managers and dentists, how can we accomplish the same thing? And how you do it from a behavioral perspective is you use imagery and emotion to create very deep-seated drive to change. And probably a good example of behavior you'll see is, uh, is alcohols. My mother was an alcoholic. And so I got to see through AA and through 12-step programs how all of the same stuff would function. And really what they do, if you, if you look at that model, which is a brilliant model, what they do is they're trying to change your identity so much that you never have a desire to drink again. And that's what the whole thing's about. And, and the first step of that, of course, is you have to admit who you are. So they have you come into a meeting, you say, hi, my name is, and I struggle with this. And there's, you know, about 50 different 12-step programs for any challenge in this world now. 
And really, this should be a 12-step program for dental offices because it would work really, really effectively. And that's kind of what we've created. And it's not that cheesy, of course. But we use that same thing of first, you've got to clearly identify where you are at. And if you can admit and identify and be vulnerable enough to see where you're at, don't make it worse, don't make it better, just be real with where you are today. And this is applicable to a dental assistant, a hygienist, a doctor, the overall practice. Just be real about where you are. Then the second question becomes, where do you want to be? And you know, maybe it's, I want to be a, a million dollar business, a $2 million business, or if I'm a hygienist, I want to be someone who makes more money and I'm impacting more patients and I'm, and I'm impacting my business. Whatever those clear objectives are, if you can name those objectives, then the next question becomes, what are the compelling reasons for you to want to do this? And these need to be so compelling that they'll bring you to tears. So compelling that you would do anything to accomplish it. You know, we've all heard the story about the, the little boy who gets hit by a car and the grandmother runs out and picks the car up off of the little boy. The grandmother had such compelling reasons to go save her grandchild. She physically was able to pick a car up off of this, this little boy. Now, I have no idea if this is a true story or if it's urban legend, but the fact still remains that if we have enough compelling reasons to do something, internally compelling reasons, not ones that are forced upon us, it works. Ones that are forced upon us, like, hey, if you don't change, you're going to lose your job. I'm just going to go polish up my resume and start looking for a different job. I mean, I might make a change in the short run, but I won't make a sustainable change. It's got to be internal, not external. So the key to NLP is how can you facilitate a person being able to understand what would be those compelling reasons for them to change and change their life so dramatically that it can be something different. So let's, let's take it down a notch. So give me a typical issue you see in the practice and let's kind of walk through how you would go about changing something so that sure. change is permanent. So we, ha we have a client right now we're working with and, and this particular doctor is struggling with getting his team to be motivated to do stuff, right? The stuff could be show up early, it could be ask that additional question, offer that additional service, ask him to pay the bill, whatever it is. Right. Let, so, let's, let's simplify it. So let's say the, the, they're struggling with um, customer experience. Okay. And well, I'll, uh, I'll be, can I be specific in this example? Yeah. Because yeah. the biggest thing in this particular office that is going on for this one is their hygienists are very, very well paid. Yeah. Which is awesome. And I'm not trying, anyone listening to this, don't hear me that we should be just cutting people's pay because that's not the right answer. But they're very, very well paid, but there's not motivation. They have no skin in the game, so to speak. And so the doctor's having a hard time going, how do I get them to make these changes? Because I'm afraid if they leave, I'll lose my patient base, right? Very typical scenario we run into. So I'm sitting here going, how do I motivate this doctor? My coach is going, how do I motivate this doctor to see the reality of the circumstance? So it was interesting. So the coach sat down with the doctor and went through his P&L to understand relative to just hygiene, how much money he is or is not making. So how much is the sal when you factor in just this, the hygiene productivity, the, the collections from hygiene, right. and the salaries, and then the materials, the equipment, the overhead, this doctor is losing his caboose. 
So what we were doing is taking this doctor through a process of self-discovery to understand that, hey, something's got to change because I'm hemorrhaging cash in my hygiene department and they're happy being productive at 700 bucks a day. Well, that doesn't work well because that leaves no money for the business left. Right. And so so we step, were, step one is to use the truth, use the facts. Absolutely. Right. Keep going. Don't make it worse. Don't make it better. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't be exaggerating. Just use the facts. And so we went through and had the doctor discover through doing math how much he was losing through hygiene. I mean, he'd be better off in some ways just to get rid of hygiene altogether and just do restorative dentistry. Except, of course, that creates a problem of how to get the patients in the door. Right. But we had to create enough of a compelling reason internal for the doctor to go have a tough conversation with his hygienist. So the let, so conversation you, you, wasn't to change the compensation. It was how can I get him to perform differently? Right. So you, you, you showed him the numbers. Now he's like sold. I need to do something. Not doing is not, no, no longer an option. Right. So Correct. the truth changed the way he looked at the world. So that's Correct. step number one. What's step number two? Well, and relative to that, to go a little deeper into that, if I could, for two seconds, is I believe people will change for one of two reasons, avoid pain or gain pleasure. That's it. I mean, right. think about anything you've ever purchased. You either bought it to gain pleasure or to avoid pain. Now, in this case, the doctor was not making a change in his hygiene department because he was avoiding the pain or the fear of losing all of his patients. Now, he wasn't realizing which one was worse, the fear of potentially losing the patients or the fact that he was losing money terribly. Right. So we have to understand what drives people to change. So now we can have a conversation of, okay, if you make this change, what is the pleasure you're going to gain? Because it's got to be more compelling than the fear of losing the patients or the possible fear of losing the patients because you think you're going to lose your hygienist. So right. now we sit there having a conversation of, well, what if your hygienist, instead of being $700 a day productive, could be twelve dollars or $1,500 a day productive? What would that mean for the business? And could you offer incentive? So we have to give the person a pathway to success. We can't just create an irritant and then not show them how to solve it. We have to create that irritant internally and then show them a pathway to succeed in through this problem. So step two to your question is, we have to brainstorm with the doctor, what are some solutions to this issue that are reasonable for you? You know, one, and the easiest solution, which I wouldn't suggest, is you just fire them and you hire someone cheaper. I yeah. think it's a really bad idea, but you know, it is a solution that should be on the table because we should be thorough in what we do. Right. Solution two is we cut their pay. Solution three is we put them on commission only. Solution four is we put incentive in place. Solution five, there should be five, six, seven solutions. And what I find is if people can only come up with one or two, and it's usually choice A or choice B and neither one's good, what that tells me is neurologically the person is what the psychologist would call triggered, meaning the blood flow is flowing more to the part of the brain called the amygdala which is the fight or flight part of the brain. And we can't make good decisions because where we make decisions is our, on our frontal lobe, our prefrontal cortex. So we have to get the blood flow there. So we use fact, we use stuff to get them out of the amygdala and into the front, frontal part of the brain so they can make good decisions, logical decisions. 
So we should be able to come up with five, six, seven, eight, nine solutions to this problem. Some are not going to be acceptable and some are going to be okay. And then what we do is we sit there and we have a conversation with the client where they pick which solution is going to be the best for them for their practice because it's their practice. It's not mine. I mean, for me to come in and just say, hey, do this, I think would be very, very foolish because I'm going to leave at some point. I'm going to leave you with a mess. You've got to own the solution and the, how to solve this problem and have it be something that you can buy into and believe in. Because if you can't buy into and believe in it, you're not going to do a good job of presenting it to your team, or in this instance, your hygiene team, to try and solve the issue. Right, right. That makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. Now, does it stop there, or do we need to take it a step further? Like, it's just all about all oh, the never stops. Never stops. Because now what we have to do is we have a conversation. Now we have a plan in place. This is what we're going to do. Now, if we simply leave people to their own devices to go try and execute on that plan, the odds of success are probably pretty low, right? Because they've never done this. They've never navigated these waters. So now that we have it narrowed down to one plan, what we need to do is we need to talk about how we're going to execute this. And then we need to have contingency plans in our back pocket because does it ever go the way you think it's going to go? No, I mean, right. if you're going to do a three surface filling. It ends up to be a root canal and a crown and your schedule just blew up and got to be a mess. If you don't have the contingency plan and the materials to do the root canal and the crown, you're kind of in trouble the minute you open up that tooth. So we need to help develop the contingency plans for the doctor. So now when they wander and have this conversation, they have the confidence, the certainty that regardless of what happens here, I've got the solution to this. And to me, this is kind of the difference between coaching and consulting. A consultant, and I'm not trying to badger anyone who has consultant on their card in any way, shape, or form, but if I think of like Fortune 500 consulting companies, like McKinsey, uh, the Fortune 500 company, not dental company, yeah. you know, they come in, they just solve the problems for you. They, hey, here's the solution, you just execute it. The problem I find with that in small business and in a dental office is if the dentist didn't learn how you came to that conclusion, how are they going to have sustainable change the minute you leave? They won't. So I'm a big believer in don't hand them a fish, teach them to fish. I want them to see every single permutation we go through in this decision making because ultimately I want them to make the decision. We'll facilitate it. We'll ask a million questions. And if they get frozen like, hey, I don't know which one's best, this one or this one, we'll obviously offer our, our uh, opinion on the matter. But I want them to understand the logic that goes behind all of this. So once we've done this once, if this doctor runs into this five years, 10 years from now, all they have to do is sit back, either go back and find their notes or just remember the conversation that took place. And guess what? They can duplicate it. So no, no, it's definitely not done there. So now it becomes, all right, this is the plan we're going to do. How are we going to communicate this? How are we going to communicate it effectively? How is this person likely to respond? Because we got to understand their psychology, right? Avoid pain or gain pleasure. Right. Now all of a sudden we put a change in place. They're going to feel something, maybe apprehension, maybe excitement or somewhere in between. And we've got to plan ahead for what is going to cause them to change and then create that sustainable change. And they're gonna go through, you know, there's seven steps to any sort of behavior change that take place. 
they're going to be shocked at first they're even having this conversation then they're going to be afraid then they're going to be excited i mean there's there's a whole slew of steps that that person's going to go through so we have to understand that and then put a plan in place to help that client execute this plan and that's what those contingency plans are for so they can think through it understand it process it go have that conversation and then we model it with them. We sit down, we do the first one for them and then the next time we withdraw just a little bit more, make them do it on their own. It's just like your kid on a, on a, a bike. First you put training wheels on, then you run behind them after the training wheels are off, holding onto the seat and eventually you let go and you let them do it. I don't want to let go and let the doctor do it on their own when we leave. I want them to do it under our supervision so if they fall down, skin their knees, we can pick them back up and help them solve that. Right. No, makes makes total sense. You know, I don't claim to be the sharpest knife in the drawer for sure. And there's no doubt uh, way sharper people in the dental consulting world than me. What I think makes me unique is <clears throat> being a farmer. I'm just, I got to make stuff simple and common sense because it's the only way my goofy little brain can wrap myself around it. And as a result of that, I find other people understand it far more easily too. Right. But this is the dilemma, right? These people didn't, you know, go to school wanting to be business people, but that's really what they are. They are business people, right? So you're saying that they always tend to go back to the old habits when the consultant or coach leaves. Well, that's certainly the concern I have uh, for every single person. And I wish I could tell you that every client that's ever hired us didn't fall backwards. And, you know, I'd be a liar if I said that. I think the vast majority <clears throat> tend to continue to enjoy a different level of success than they ever dreamt possible. And that's my hope and prayer for every single person I ever meet is how can I set you up for just something beyond what you dreamt was possible? And then how can I put a, put a methodology, a skeleton plan in place and teach it to somebody over six or 12 or 18 months so much so that when, when we're done, they don't need us anymore, at least not until the wheels fall off the bus five or 10 years later. They shouldn't need us afterwards because we set them up for success. And it's just a matter of understanding how all that works and having a framework. And you know, if there's anything I learned in MBA school, it's not that I learned more about finance or marketing. What I learned in MBA school was critical thinking and problem-solving skills. It was by far the greatest gift I was given. And it had nothing to do with finance or marketing or business or accounting. I mean, I learned all those things too, but the better gift I was given was problem solving and critical thinking. Right. Where did you do your MBA? In Ohio. Uh, Wright State University in Ohio. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I run a business. I'm an entrepreneur. I have, you know, 180 people who work for me. And uh, one of the things I kind of notice about our clients who are dentists, they kind of want taken care of for them. They want it done for them. And, uh, and I, I kind of don't blame them, right? Like it's very hard for a person to be the best in the world at 10 things. So, um, you know, they like to be the best in the world at dentistry and they're not too keen on, you know, being the best in the world at X, Y, Z, A, B, D, C, you know what I mean? Right. So, um, so I, I run into this challenge. So when we do things, we try to kind of make it easy for them. We do it for them. Like we do SEO, for example. So we just do it for them. We take care of it. We do web design. We take care of it, you know? And, uh, but I understand in, in coaching, it's hard. It's hard to take care of things for people because you're not there all the time and you're going to leave. 
Correct. And you know, something like SEO as an example, I just don't see how it's even possible as a dentist to be an expert in. I mean, I own my own business. I have a master's in marketing. And yet I'm certain if I sat down with you or one of your SEO experts, they would run circles around me because I don't do it every single day to your point. Right. And, and so there, there certainly are appropriate times to completely delegate stuff out. However, I still think it's important for you to be an educated person. You know, as an example, you delegate out your taxes to be done by your accountant. But if your accountant screws it up and does it wrong, guess who still goes to jail? Right. So you got to be educated enough about your taxes and, and about the accounting being done for you that you can understand it and go, okay, this makes sense. I get it. I understand it. I, I can sign this tax return. And that's what I'm always encouraging people to do is to become educated people, not to, so they can do their own SEO, because I don't think that's realistic, but so they can understand what it is that you as an SEO expert are doing, and they can understand it well enough that they can fact check, if you will, that you're doing a great job. So they can feel fabulous about the work you're doing. And then as a result, they can just keep paying you and be very, very happy because they fact check it. You know, what I teach them relative to employees is trust, but verify. Yeah. And I, I, told, I totally agree. I totally agree with that. I think, um, are you familiar with Kobe, Dara? Yes, yes. So Kobe looks at, uh, for those listeners who don't know what Kobe is, it's a, it's a kind of an assessment test that, um, it's not a test, but it's, an, it's, a, it's a tool that tells you what your instincts are, what you kind of naturally tend to like and you know, you know, naturally tend to do. So um, somebody who's a high fact finder is very detail-oriented. Uh, somebody who's a high follow-through is, you know, is very systematic. Somebody who's a high quick start, you know, can think on their feet and, you know, they like simple stuff. Um, and then somebody who likes, who's a high implementer likes to work with their implements. A lot of dentists, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, they like facts and they like implementing things, meaning working with their hands. Um, but they're not necessarily um, high quick start. I'm generalizing here. So usually what that happens is they get caught up in the details and they miss the big picture. They miss the key points. And um, so the challenge they have is um, like sometimes, like you said, if you want to understand something, you need to be able to kind of know what's important. Like Steve Jobs said it best, you know, what's the higher order bit? What's the most important thing in every situation? And he, he built this, you know, world changing organization because he could always zoom into the most important thing. And, um, and then of course, um, where he needed to get into the details, he got into the details only on the most important thing. And then everything else he delegated and made sure other people did a perfect job. So it's kind of a, like you're working against your instincts, right? Like dentists got into dentistry because they like working with their hands. They like solving complicated cases. They like, you know, making somebody smile. They love that stuff. So, um, so is there a way to kind of let them do what they love and still kind of not uh, abdicate the responsibility of leadership. Yeah, absolutely. Not necessarily get overwhelmed by it, not necessarily get like, oh, now I'm spending so much effort and time. And yeah. Absolutely. And, and the, the answer there is to have a trusted right hand. And, and the challenge with that, I mean, I think about this day and age, you know, we, we deal with a lot of uh, embezzlement issues and we're, we're not embezzlement experts by any means. There are people that are better at that, that we refer people to, but 
it goes back to the trust and verify. I mean, you can hire a trusted right-hand person, but if you don't continuously verify, when left to their own devices, sadly, sometimes things go askew. So the answer is yes. You hire a trusted right-hand person. You train them to do it exactly the way you want it done. And you continuously verify and learn. But the basis of that is that you understand your business intimately in and out. Not just the dentistry piece, but your business. And you know what are the key things that you need to look at that will protect you from those, those potential pitfalls that are coming ahead of you, either through embezzlement or through someone who just made a bad decision on your behalf. You know, there are some things that you just can't abdicate and walk away from even if you have an amazing office manager, because it's just like your accountant, they're an amazing accountant, but you're still the one who goes to jail if your accountant makes a mistake. So to me, I think the right answer is to hire that trusted person, train them, and then continuously train them and stay involved. You can't, you gotta still be the captain of your ship because it's your ship, it's your responsibility, but that doesn't mean that the other person can't do 90% of that work and you have just some admin time once a week with that office manager to, to reconnect and say, hey, where are we going? How are we doing? What are the key metrics that the, the KPI, the key performance indicators that we should be looking at measuring every single day, week, month, whatever those are, and, and, and verify that those things are being done to your liking, and then give that person the marching orders with which to go execute for you. So absolutely, there's no reason why you need to become somebody who does what we do, but that doesn't mean in the short run that you might not need to to learn your business because oftentimes doctors don't know their businesses. They, they go to it, they're in it all the time, but they're not working on it. And so I think sometimes you got to slow down to go fast and make sure you fully understand it and then put somebody in, in charge to run it and then have them report. I, I like to teach macro management, not micro, macro where you give the things that you want done and those people report back to you. You don't chase them for those, those answers. They bring them to you at a scheduled time. You have a plan in place where you both review them. You see where the, where the challenges are, where things are working, where they're not working. You make subtle adjustments. You send them back out. Then you come back and measure it again. And it's just a continuous improvement process. Right. Absolutely. So you're saying, um, they need to understand the key drivers of the business and they need to know um, how to move those drivers and then they need to stay engaged. So things are moving forward. Absolutely. You know, as an example, we have our own studio here in our office. We shoot a ton of video. Uh, it's a, how we deliver a lot of our, our content to our clients. So if you Google search my name or, or our business, you'd see hundreds of YouTube videos. Now in, in our studio, can I run our studio? Yeah. Can I run it nearly as well as Samantha, my team who runs it? No, not even close. But if she were ever to call in sick or leave, could I step in in a pinch and kind of get by? Yeah. And you know, similarly, I had, we had this client in Nebraska. They, they grew their practice a hundred thousand dollars a month. It was a three doc practice. So it grew just over a million dollars in 12 months time. And one of the younger doctors we had suggested, you know, if you hit your goal for the day, by all means, man, Take off, go play with your kids, go be with your family, have that life balance that you went, why you went to dental school in the first place. But before you do, maybe for like an hour, go sit up front. He's like, what do you mean? I said, well, go sit up front and answer the phone because I wouldn't know what to do. 
So you don't think that's maybe a problem? Do you think that if you sat up front and you listened to how your team handled calls or did this or did that, with your educational level, you might not go, hey, isn't there a better way? Because they're just doing what they've been taught to do and told to do. You know, hopefully we taught them and told them right, but let's assume we never walked in here. If you've never gone and sat up front and listened to how things are being done, how, how are things being done? Are they being done to your satisfaction? I said, go sit up there, answer the phone. Do you know what that'll do for team morale when they see you sit down and take a phone call? When they're swamped and overwhelmed and all of a sudden you walk up, pick up the phone and answer it? Now, should you do that every single day? No, of course not. You should be doing dentistry. You're best when you have a hand piece in your hand. But the, does that mean that, you know, one, two, three percent of the time you shouldn't go do that to show your team you're willing to get dirty and roll your sleeves up and help them when they need it? I think you should. <clears throat> and it's really educational to see what you can learn through that experience about how your business is running. Right. Right. I, I really enjoyed talking to you. Is there any final words of wisdom you have for our listeners? Tara? Well, I'll give a, a couple suggestions. One, if they go to our website, which is acceleratemypractice.com, we produce a blog every single week. And, you know, it's, it's some amazing content. It's written as well as video. So they can sign up in the convenience of their home on a Friday night, read some of the content relative to what we teach. We give a ridiculous amount of our content away because I just come from a place of abundance. Um, secondly, if you go to acceleratemypractice.com forward slash offer, you'll see a whole bunch of different free options are available or some other things that might interest some of the listeners. But you know, I, I guess my bottom line advice is, is get to know your business. You know, I, I went to a program once because <clears throat> I do a lot of continuing ed myself and, you know, a lot of business owners were at this particular program and the, the person who was lecturing on it was saying how so many business owners are afraid of numbers. And, and so they actually had us all standing up chanting, I love numbers, numbers love me. It goes back to NLP. If we associate the numbers of our business with being painful and terrible, we're going to avoid it. But if we can sit there and change our association with understanding our business and we can be excited to understand accounting a little bit, not an expert, but a little bit. If we can be excited to understand how SEO works and how our marketing works, if we can be excited with how our, our employees check a patient in and they greet them, if we can be excited and curious, if we can be curious in life, I think you'll find that all these things that might have previously scared us, they won't scare us. You know, picking up the phone and calling like someone on my team and having a conversation with them won't be scary if you're curious to learn what we might have to say. If you're curious to learn what a third party, how they might evaluate your business. We'd be happy to do an evaluation for any of your listeners at no charge of their business so they can see where those key performance indicators are working in their business. It'd be our pleasure to offer to any of the, your listeners to, to see where their business stacks up against best in class and to have that curiosity of, hey, how do I do? Well, we'll show you and we'll tell you exactly what you can do to fix it. And if you want to hire us, that's great. If you want to go out alone, that's fine too. But we'd love to serve anybody here by offering that analysis free of charge to them. That's awesome. Thank you very much, Darren. I really appreciate it. So we're going to put all the information like your contact details in the show notes. Um, and um, so we'll send them to your website. 
Yeah, absolutely. AccelerateMyPractice.com. If they want to see some of the offers, go to forward slash offer. And, um, you know, we got phone numbers, email addresses all over the place. If you want to shoot me an email, shoot it to info at AccelerateMyPractice.com and it'll, uh, it'll get distributed to me and to my team. And, and we're very timely about uh, answering people's questions and we'd be more than happy to uh, at, at any time. We, I just, I love serving people. I love seeing transformation in, in people, not to mention their businesses. And it's just, it's really rewarding to be able to, to serve people in that way for me. That's awesome. I really appreciate it. I think, uh, you know, people who have that abundance mindset uh, tend to do amazing things for themselves and others. So that's awesome. Well, it's been my pleasure to be here. I I thank you so much for being here and I'd uh, be happy to come back anytime someone wants to hear me chitter chat a little bit more. (laughs) Sounds good. Thank you very much, uh, Darren. Have a wonderful day. And uh, once again, everyone, thank you for listening to another episode of the Growing Dentist Show.